Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlocked big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book, The Trolley Problem, or Would You Throw the Fat Guy Off the Bridge, A Philosophical Conundrum. To make the world a better place, we are often told to take the ethical action, get the right result, and constantly seek the beauty of humanity through justice. But things are not always black and white. At times we may feel although every choice has a logical aspect, it also brings some problematic repercussions. In such circumstances, we postulate ambiguity between right and wrong, we evaluate how to make a decision and choices made by others. A classic example of this conundrum is the trolley problem proposed by British philosopher Philippa Ruth Foote in 1967. The thought experiment went as follows, you are the conductor of a trolley barreling out of control. If you allow the trolley to charge forward, you will collide into and kill the five people on the track. If you steer the trolley onto a sidetrack, the five people will be saved, but in turn, you will kill one person on the sidetrack. What should you do? There is no clear-cut answer to this question. For decades experts and scholars have discussed the trolley problem through the lenses of philosophy, ethics, law, and even neuroscience, most of the arguments being fairly complex and field-specific. On the contrary, this book has found a new way to dissect the enigma. The author of the book, Thomas Cathcart, is skilled at popularizing difficult theories through approachable means. This time, he frames the classic philosophical conundrum as a court trial. He presents several iconic viewpoints from the past few decades, employing the narratives of multiple fictional characters including the prosecutor, the defense attorney, the jury, and more. In the book, Cathcart adapts the trolley problem into an anecdotal potential crime. A woman named Daphne Jones, a passerby in the crime scene, noticed a runaway trolley that was about to hit five pedestrians. She flipped a switch, diverting the trolley away from the potential victims. The pedestrians were saved, but unfortunately, the trolley hit Mr. Chester Farley who was on the siding. Is Ms. Jones guilty for his death? Revolving around the case, the prosecutor, the defense attorney, a psychologist and a bishop each takes their turn to voice their opinions. In this bookie, we will summarize their viewpoints in the following three parts. Part 1, Individual Rights versus the Greater Good, which is more important. Part 2, What makes an action good or bad? Part 3, Where do moral standards come from? Part 1, Individual Rights versus the Greater Good, which is more important. In court, the prosecutor, who presses the charge, and the defense attorney, who argues on the behalf of Ms. Jones, both try their best to persuade the jury, who arbitrate whether Ms. Jones is guilty of murder. The defense attorney argues that not only is Ms. Jones not guilty, but she should be lauded for her heroic deed, because if someone has to die, one is better than five. The entire case can be boiled down to a simple math problem. The theory that supports his views is known as utilitarianism or consequentialism. One of its key representatives is 19th-century British ethicist Jeremy Bentham. Bentham advocates that an action's morality depends entirely on its consequence. In other words, our actions should contribute to the greatest happiness of the greatest number of people. According to utilitarianism, the judgment of our choices depends on whether it maximizes happiness or minimizes loss. Ms. Jones' act killed one person but saved five lives, 
which is numerically better than doing nothing at all and letting the five people die. Therefore, what she did was justified. The attorney's viewpoint is readily acceptable by the public, and many jurors are in agreement. One of them who works as a public health policy analyst says that the government also takes utilitarian measures when devising medical policies. When resources are limited and cannot benefit all citizens, the government would rather spend billions of dollars on preventive services for the majority than extend a few extreme patients' lives with the same amount of money. In principle, this is similar to Ms. Jones' act, which was to maximize the benefit of the situation when it cannot cover everyone's welfare. Although such a choice may bring undesirable results to the minority, in the juror's example the dying patients in the hospital, or Mr. Farley in Ms. Jones' case, it is the best choice of a finite array of alternatives and should therefore not be seen as a crime. Another juror who works in the army holds a similar view. He says that military actions can cause civilian casualties. While they always try their best to avoid it, the military will not be considered culpable for such accidents. Another juror who does philosophical research even stresses progressively that the public's benefit is the greatest of all. If victory and peace are guaranteed, then morally wrong actions such as deliberately killing civilians in war should conversely be considered right, as disturbing as it sounds. The prosecutor rebuts these utilitarian views vehemently. He argues that making an ethical choice involves much more than maximizing the happiness of the majority. Sacrificing one to save five is wrong because that one life is treated as a tool to save others. According to 18th-century German philosopher Immanuel Kant, it is always wrong to treat people merely as means rather than as ends in themselves. Kant's view has been called deontology. According to Kant, every person has a right to their own life, and everyone is created equal. No one person's rights are more important, nor should they be prioritized over that of others. Ms. Jones has no authority to use Mr. Farley as a means to save the five pedestrians because that is, in essence, a violation of Mr. Farley's birthright. Ms. Jones' act is therefore guilty. If one's liberty can be so callously violated on the pretext of benefiting more people, the consequences would be drastic. The prosecutor gives an example, there was a multi-car collision on the highway. Six patients were admitted to the hospital. Five of them needed distinct organ transplants to survive. The sixth patient, a young man who had no serious injuries, was sent into the operating room. Without his consent, the doctor had his organs removed and transplanted into the five injured patients. Expectedly, the young man never woke up again. If we look merely at the result, sacrificing one to save five seems like a good bargain, considering the number of survivors as in Ms. Jones' case. However, if we simply declare the doctor not guilty based on utilitarian arguments, we will face terrible consequences. Imagine living in a society where maximizing benefits is the guideline for all actions. One could easily justify breaking into your house and your organs harvested for the greater good. Nobody wants to live in this kind of society. Governments make laws to protect everyone's inalienable rights, such as their right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We uphold these laws in order to avoid the minority's rights from being violated in the name of the greater good. Utilitarianism should not become the golden rule for all actions. We should make decisions not based on benefiting the majority, but rather on protecting the rights of each individual. Above is the content for part 1.
To proponents of utilitarianism, whether an act is good or bad depends on its consequences. Their standard of action is to maximize benefits for a maximized number of people. Therefore, the trolley problem is simple arithmetic, killing five versus one, the latter being obviously more favorable. Regardless, the proponents of Kantian deontology scoff at the utilitarians. They think that whether an act is good or bad depends on whether the rights of others are violated. All men are created equal. Hence, their fundamental rights should be equally protected. Violating their rights is a crime, even if it is done to maximize happiness in the name of the greater good. To them, sacrificing an innocent man is not the solution to the trolley problem. Therefore, Ms. Jones' act is unequivocally wrong. The diametric opposition of the two perspectives implies that one cannot make a moral choice merely based on consequences. So, we shall now move on to a new perspective and find out if the inherent moral nature of an act itself can be a guide to making good moral judgments. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.